Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Right Stuff Anime Podcast. Uh, my name is Thomas. I am the merchandising manager. I'm Quinn. I'm a merchandising coordinator. I'm Chris, also a merchandising coordinator. I'm Will, and I'm a social media coordinator. We'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to, again to the Right Stuff Anime Podcast. It has been quite a while. We've had a lot of things going off around here. Uh, birthday sale is probably the biggest one. Oh, yeah. uh, we're in the final week of it, so a lot of extra hours working in the warehouse and helping out back there to make sure your guys' shipments get to you right away, um, and just kind of making sure that we keep things in stock and mm-hmm. things just keep rolling. So we'll start off with some news. The first thing we're going to talk about, unfortunately, is the saddest thing, and that's mm-hmm. the fire uh, at the Kyoto Animation Studio, um, which occurred last Thursday. Um, fortunately, what happened is an arsonist uh, went into the building. Um, I'm not going to touch on that part very much because I, I think this part should have the least amount of publicity, but uh, started a fire, um, and unfortunately, 34 members of the Kyoto Animation team passed away. Um, it's been pretty private on who has passed so far. Japan uh, keeps these things usually kind of quiet, um, so friends and family are able to mourn before things are kind of made more public. To me, it's a way better way than we kind of deal with things in America yes. where it seems like somebody passes away and the news hears about it even before the family. So Japan likes yes. to keep these things a lot more closer to the chest. But, um, I mean, the studio's brought us a lot of amazing things. Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, Free, Violet Evergarden, k Silent Voice. Silent Voice, Liz and the Bluebird, uh, Sound Euphonium. Yeah. I think everybody here at this table has uh, watched at least multiple yes. you know Kyoto animation mm-hmm. things um anything in particular that anybody thinks of when they think of Kyoto animation just very solid animation very mm-hmm. fluid um I don't think of one particular show just more of their style mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh the big thing the studio is always known for is actually taking care of its animators um yes. I think a lot of times we hear about studios where they're living below the artists are living below the poverty line uh, having to live with their parents, mm-hmm. not being able to pay their bills, just not yeah. great hours, people sleeping underneath their desks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kyoto Animation was known for giving living wages, mm-hmm. uh, good hours, um, you know, and like if they have to delay something, they would delay it because they want to make sure the well-being of their mm-hmm. employees was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also very known for uh, employing women mm-hmm. too, uh, women directors, women artists. <clears throat> Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those that probably passed away were majority women, which is mm-hmm. really, really sad. But yeah. Kyoto Animation, not only known for you know great animation, great shows, but just taking care of their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, as of yesterday, Kyoto Animation came out with a uh, little bit of information on how you can donate, and they had a direct uh, wire uh, to a bank that will go to the victims. Um, here at Right Stuff, we were able to create a donation page for this. Um, uh, international wire transfers can be kind of expensive sometimes. Like, even if you did a ten or twenty dollar donation, if you're going international for the wire transfer, it can cost about fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to do one lump donations from everybody that wants to donate, mm-hmm. get it all together all the way to the end of August thirty first, and then we will do one big donation to uh, Kyoto Animation uh, that will go directly to them. Um, we would have loved to do something sooner, but we wanted to make sure that we had a way to directly access Kyoto Animation, and their first priority was, you know, to take care of their employees and everything that was going on. Yeah. So it took a little while for the information to come out, but it is out now, and we are able to make sure that these donations are going to go directly to where they need to go. Yeah, 100% of it's going to them, too. And yeah, mm-hmm. an easy way to find it on the website is just type in Kyoto Animation, and it'll pop right up. It'll be the first thing. Mm-hmm. So and I'm, I'm very happy we're able to do this, you know. Uh, when the tragedy first happened, we were getting people calling into our customer care, mm-hmm. asking if there was anything we could uh, do. And we, we've been waiting to announce something. And like I said, now that we have direct access to getting the money to them, where we started this, you know, uh, donation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, while you're at our site, just come on over. You can do any denomination you want to do. Yep. From a dollar to ten dollars to a hundred dollars. Um, yeah, we've been having a range of donations oh, already yeah. up mm-hmm. as well. Some people just a dollar. Other people have really, really been very charitable. Yeah. What time did we uh, launch it today, Quinn? We launched it at eleven a.m. and it's been about three hours, and they've already fandom has already come to the forefront and, and raised over five hundred dollars. Yeah. So it, it it's going to go very well, mm-hmm. and I'm happy. 
you know, that it's happening while we have a lot of traffic at our site for the birthday yeah. sale, yeah, so a lot definitely. of people are going to get their eyes on it and be able to help out. Um, yeah, and I, I think a lot of people that want to donate that didn't have any idea of how to do it, this mm-hmm. makes it very easy, and it, it like I said, it contributes 100% to Kyoto mm-hmm. Animation. Yeah, we're taking care of the hard part, you know, getting the yeah. uh, wire transfer done, and we are also going to be doing a, a donation ourselves. Yes. Um, at the mm-hmm. end, but I, at the end of August, uh, early September, we will let everybody know how much money we were mm-hmm. all able to raise together and uh, the uh, donation that will be going to Kyoto Animation. Yep. So, so yeah, uh, that's one thing that's been going on. Uh, the other thing, like I said, it's the last week of the birthday sale. Uh, we're going into, I think, about six days left. Uh, what has everybody purchased so far? <laughs> <coughs> or, or are you guys just waiting to do that one big, giant purchase right at the end oh no 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 i i I do it per week per week per week that's good for you (laughs) i mean that way you don't have to see it all totaled up you can just see oh yeah you know i only did like 20 bucks oh oh i have a running tally though that's the problem (laughs) it's like how much money have i spend how much money can i afford like i literally will go through the site throw everything i want in the cart and then go (laughs) no you're going back because i can't (laughs) afford myself Mm-hmm. But, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, when we're recording today's mega deal is the Galaxy Express nine nine nine. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of bundles. One of which I'm going to mention a little bit later on. So I'm just going to keep that a little close to the pocket. <laughs> but they've been really tempting, and I might just have to throw some space on my charge card for for a little something. Treat myself with all the hard work we've been putting in. Damn, we deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, a lot of us here have been working more than our usual 40 hours to help keep up with mm-hmm. all the orders yes. in, the, in the warehouse. One yeah. nice thing about coming in at 6 a.m. to help in the warehouse is there's no traffic. No traffic at all. <laughs> it's great. Not yeah. much of a fight for parking from what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're here five minutes later than everyone else, you have to park farther away. Ah. Except I parked <laughs> even farther away today because we weren't here that early. But I was like, my parking spot. I'm so far now. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, we're coming to the end. I I picked up a lot of the um, Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato mm-hmm. remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up the ninety one days essential Blu Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big mob fan. The Godfather movies are pretty close to my heart. So anything anime related like that, I I do like. And uh, I've got a bunch of things sitting in my cart. Um, I'm just waiting <laughs> to pull the trigger. Uh, Discotech, uh, like Will said, is been the mega deals and will continue to be the mega deals so there'll be some really good stuff coming up still in the next couple days especially if you're an old retro fan like me yeah yeah uh not not to just sit over here and be like oh i spent a bunch of money but it's like oh probably should actually say some stuff instead of just say oh yeah but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i finished off what i needed for again which is a manga bundle i got the rest of the to abandon the sacred beasts that i needed to finish off uh Oh, there's such a stack at home. What else did I get? I forgot. <laughs> uh, Kyo Caramel, the first season. I'll grab that. There's stuff. There's stuff. stuff. There's, there's lots of stuff. There's, plenty. there's over 4,000 pieces yeah, of stuff in the sale right Clockwork now. Planet I have to pick up. Yeah. Early sales still go, chugging along. Probably by the time this podcast uh, comes out, it'll just be a couple days left on that. So make sure if you haven't had a chance to come over and check out what we've got in the sale. Um, last thing we're going to talk about, it has been a little while, but we, well, me and Jake went to Anime Expo, and we made a couple announcements at our panel. Um, a couple, uh, 80 Police on Blu-ray is one of the ones we announced. Uh, I'll just jump right to the one that made me most excited. Uh, we are going to be releasing Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei on Blu-ray. Uh, this was a title that Media Blusters had picked up years ago um, and unfortunately never got a chance to do any kind of release for it. Um, mm. We were able to rescue it, and now we'll be releasing it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, it is a very dark series. It involves a, a teacher who uh, tries to kill himself and uh, ends up being <laughs> saved and by his students, but uh, his students... As much as they're there to help him, they're there to torture him. Uh-huh. And it's it's a dark comedy. It's very, very funny, very over-the-top. Um, it's very much in the guise of the walk-on girl and, uh, you know, those style. Uh, yeah, it's of, got a unique art style, mm-hmm. too, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very over-the-place. But I'm happy it's finally getting released over here. Uh, another big one uh, for Gundam fans was War in the Pocket. Uh, we'll finally be getting a uh, Blu-ray release. Uh, that has always been my favorite Gundam. Um, I know it's like a short OVA, but it 
tells the perspective of war from those on that are not participating in the war, you know, <laughs> the civilians. Um, and it's very dark. Uh, the part I always kind of recall to is a uh, mother and her child running through the streets and one of the, uh, I can't remember what side it was, but one of the uh, uh, Big Macs basically is shooting bullets and one of the casings falls and right on the woman and her child. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of show it. And it's, like I said, it's very dark. Um, it's not like, oh, look at all this cool action. It's like, these people are living through hell. Yep. Um, and it's just kind of cool to get that kind of perspective, especially from a Gundam show. Yeah. Um, that came out all these years ago. Yeah, they've always focused on just, like, the fact, like, yeah, we're fighting wars, but it's not fun. And this one especially enforces that idea. It's just mm-hmm. brutal what some of the people on that colony go through. Yeah. Uh, El Hazard, too. We will be doing a uh, Blu-ray release of that, and we are going to be releasing everything El Hazard, including uh, the OVAs have never seen the light of day over here. I think we had an anime elements release of El Hazard back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. DVD. Yeah. Um, but now we were able to get the rest of it, and we will be releasing that on Blu-ray. I know a lot of people were excited about that old school mm-hmm. um, title. We also announced uh, that our titles from Nizomi Entertainment are going to be streaming on Funimation now. Um, first couple, uh, Junjiko Romantica. Um, let's see. What was the other one? I mean, we could throw out titles, but we no. don't want to get okay. people Never excited <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Yakutati, uh, Yakutati Japan, and uh, the big one's probably Revolutionary Girl Atena. Mm-hmm. Um, and these will be both the subtitled and the dubbed, so mm-hmm. if you're a fan of either, they will be available um, through Funimation now. So that's an awesome partnership that uh, we were able to do. Uh, third announcement is we will be carrying Bandai Namco Arts uh, merchandise. Um, mm-hmm which we're actually working on getting some of those created and put on the site probably within the next week or so. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that. T-shirts, bags, all that good stuff. Yep. Um, I know there's going to be some Love Live reincarnated as slime stuff. So it'll be cool to have some kind of exclusive merch right on our mm-hmm. site. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, we'll be getting some more of the stuff that is like newly popular. And, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of times our merch stuff is like... We get merch stuff for My Hero Academia, you know, like a year after it was popular, and yeah. you know, we we still have that those blue gender caps, those uh, blue gender caps. If you ever if you want, <laughs> yeah, I like blue gender too. Yeah. I, I thought it was a really good old show um, back from the tsunami times. But no, it Anime Expo was pretty great. Um, we had a lot of really exciting announcements. Uh, I'm going to be heading to Crunchyroll Expo uh, here in the next month. Uh, I'm pretty excited for that. I plan on hosting another uh, industry panel there with a couple more announcements. So I'll be wearing my Right Stuff shirt that day. So if you do see me, stop up and say hi. I always like to hear from the fans and see what you guys have to say. So And I'm excited to be in San Jose for a little while. Hopefully no earthquakes this time. Yeah. Uh, I got to experience two earthquakes when we were at Expo. <laughs> I think... Uh, what was trending uh, at uh, Anime Quapespo is what people were starting to call it, um, which I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, uh, earthquakes, especially if you're inside a building, not very fun, especially the big one on Friday. Uh, it was a little different than our usual running to a basement hiding from tornadoes here in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the people on the West Coast, they're like, it's not such a big deal. And we're all like, but yes, it is. The earth moved under my feet. Yes. Exactly. Like, it's the same way here where it's like, you know, tornadoes. And I'm just like, okay, let's just stand on the porch and watch it go by. <laughs> get a But if I'm ever in California and I feel an earthquake, I'm like, get me to LAX now. I'm getting out of here because I'm going to lose my mind if I don't get on a plane now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Crunchyroll Expo coming up. I know we have plans on selling items at uh, Anime Fusion in Plymouth, Minnesota. Uh, That's just a little bit outside of Minneapolis. That's going to be October, and then we also have plans to be at NebraskaCon in Omaha in November as well. We will be selling there. Um, So yeah, if you are in the Midwest or making your way out to the Midwest and you like anime conventions, check out Anime Fusion in NebraskaCon here in the next couple months. So... Let's talk about what we've been watching, what we've been reading, and it has been a while since we've done this, so we are about two or three episodes swing into the summer season, so what has everybody been watching or reading? Too much to keep up with. (laughs) Uh, My current ones that I am still keeping up with, uh, The Given, that is, um, uh, I think it's supposed to be a 
Boys Love Show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I I read that, and then the first two episodes, I'm like, maybe I misread. <laughs> I don't know. But it's got a lot of like Beck vibes and Kids on the Slope for me going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the artwork is gorgeous. It's really pretty. Um, they haven't really done too much plot-wise outside of please teach me to play the guitar and the other guy really not wanting to. But <laughs> he takes him to his band practice anyway and they hit it off and the two college kids are hilarious. I just love that they go out on smoke breaks. I've only seen the first two episodes, but it looks really promising and I want to keep up with that. Uh, I have checked out To the Abandoned Sacred Beasts and the striking thing to me on that is that the first couple episodes are pieces of the manga from further in on the volumes. So how the manga starts out is totally different from how the anime has started out. And it's a, a like it's a change out for how you perceive the show. In the manga, it's more of a mystery of what's going on with the incarnates. It's not all given to you right up front. Whereas the anime builds the relationship among the incarnates first. So you know what's going on, but at the same time, the mystery's kind of lost, so it depends on how you want to approach that story. Um, the animation is really great, and they just introduced, uh, I can't think of his, her name, Shawl's, Shawl, yeah, the daughter of the or- at the orphanage. So they just introduced her in the second episode, and mm-hmm. it was, it's, it's very interesting to see the differences. I've enjoyed that. Uh, and then I've continued on with Fruits Basket and Demon Slayer, there's something else in my queue that's staring at me in the face and I can't think what it is. <laughs> Come back to me, I might think of it. No, no, I've, I've been watching that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of the new ones. It's the second one in. What if it's what? Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? I have been watching that. Um, episode zero, I was like, why? I, I already know. Um, but I, personally, I like this show. I think I want to binge it. So I think I may just wait until it's all out so I can watch the whole thing because it gets really good right when they're like oh next episode (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like I want to sit down I just want to binge the whole thing so I may just wait for that yeah alright Chris what have you been watching oh there's been quite a few things I feel like this new season has really hooked me with a lot of different things but there's just so much it's kind of hard to focus on some of them Mm -hmm. like I was talking a lot about Dr. Stone when we were going into the season. I've watched the first few episodes of that, and I've enjoyed it so far. It's, it's taken its time really developing the storyline, but it's really establishing mm-hmm. their post-petrification world really well, and it, we've already got a main villain, pretty much, to sort of establish a storyline and a driving cause for them to actually bring everybody back. But some of the other ones out on the tangents I've been checking out, one that I saw was Copcraft, I thought that one's pretty interesting. Like, the whole concept, it's like near future, present day. Um, there's just randomly an island in the uh, Pacific Ocean where a portal to a fantasy world opens. And they start bleeding over and stuff. And a, a sort of city just builds up in that area. And so it reminds me a lot of, like, there's an 80s sci-fi movie called Alien Nation about aliens that coexisted with humans. And a more literal parallel is uh, the Netflix movie Bright that came out a couple years ago. It's very much got that kind of vibe where it's just a hardened beat cop is forced to pair up with a magical girl to uh, (laughs) deal with things like elves coming over over and smuggling their sort of fey drugs and things (laughs) like that. Except for Bright did everything wrong. Yeah, exactly. This This is a good version. Yeah, It's like, oh, this is what Bright should have been. Yep. And then uh, one that my uh, my friends and I just sort of stumbled our way in over the weekend when we were just flipping through our guy uh, through Crunchyroll and stuff was, uh, "Do you love your mom and her two hit multi target <laughs> attacks?" My God, which is just <laughs> ridiculous. It's an isekai where a boy and his mother get sucked into a video game world of fantasy role playing. And it turns out it's a scheme where the mom doesn't think her son loves her enough. So it's a bonding MMO. And so it's very silly. It's very fan service There's a monster that shows up in episode two that just happens to melt mom's clothes off. Of course. But um, it's lighthearted. It's goofy. If you go in just thinking, like, this is going to be something silly that I'm just going to watch and get, like just some stupid fun out of. It's actually a pretty good ride. So I enjoyed the first couple episodes. Probably going to check out some more. 
So I have to ask on that. Yeah. And I assume that I know the answer to this. Uh-huh. But the mom doesn't have a clue on how to do anything, does she? She doesn't really need to. She ends up getting two legendary swords that both have the multi-hit attack. So it's just, oh. she swings with one swing and kills hundreds <laughs> of goblins in one blow. This is easy. I don't know what you're complaining about, boys. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the son's all upset because his ma- they, there were three magic swords. He took one. She got the other two. His is only a single target, like, throwing arc, like, similar to, like, Link's sword shooting a beam. Oh. And he's just super upset because his mom, both of her swords, will just take out waves of enemies. And his is just like, I got one. And she's like, good job, son. He's <laughs> like, I don't need your, your encouragement. It's just, he's very jaded. And... Like, he's just a jerk, and you want to see him just turn around because his mom's trying so hard to be loved, and he's just being a jerk. <laughs> so, but no, it's it's silly, and it's a lot of fun. But, yeah, there's fan service going on, so that's you got to deal with that a little bit. Yeah. Or you got to love it a lot. Exactly. Depending on what your viewpoint is. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, a person of culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will not watch any of that show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, what have you been watching? <laughs> uh, not isekais. Um, I have instead been trying to catch up on some old titles, as well as trying to watch the first episode of some new titles. Like, I checked out Dr. Stone. Oh, yeah. Really enjoyed the first episode. Uh, I love Taiju's enthusiasm. And oh, oh, he's such yeah, a he's great like, dumb idiot. I love yeah, him. He's always, like, yelling, but it's like, in that, it's like... It's, like, really fun to watch. And he's very honest about, like, his limitations. Yeah. Like, he understands that he's a dumb idiot. Yeah. And Senku's just like, you're just the muscle. I'm the brains here. This is just how it's going to work. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's been uh, fun to watch. (laughs) You're 10 billion percent better than lifting than I am. (laughs) 10 billion shows up a lot in Dr. Stone for some reason. Yeah. Senku likes to say 10 billion a lot. Yeah. Uh, I hope they explain like how they're friends in the first place. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, when you think about it. Because it's like, yeah, Taiju, this really dumb idiot, goes to Senku for like love advice yeah. on the first on like the first scene. So like that'll be interesting to see if they ever explain that. I made you a love fish potion. Oh, I don't need it. I threw it in the trash. Wait, it's acid. He's like, yeah, I didn't think you were dumb enough to drink it. <laughs> Just oh. <laughs> And then I also decided to try out Fire Force. Thank you. That uh, was the other one that was on my list. Yeah. I looked it up. Yeah, the new Soul Eater. <laughs> uh, and I've watched the first episode, and it's better than the first five episodes of Soul Eater combined. So I would... Oh, wow. Well, don't worry. It's better than Soul Eater, like, all together. Hey. In my perspective. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey. Thank you. I couldn't hey. get past the first five episodes of Soul Eater. Did you uh, watch FYI. it in dub or sub? I subbed. Yeah, do, do the dub. Okay. The, the dub makes it 100% better. Does it, does it do, does it do a lot? I'll, 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 I'll listen to Tom. Tom is just saying no. Like, not to get on a tangent on Soul Eater, but the first five episodes were just, all I had were questions and no answers. That's because they get there eventually. Well, they should have. <laughs> They're setting up stuff. They should have done that before, they should have done that in the first five episodes, but they don't. I feel like shonen and long, drawn-out explanatory plot lines don't really go hand-in-hand, hand, you would think. Well, yeah. Kid Kid makes that show completely awesome. Anyway, and just Fire saying. Force has like multiple characters that are interesting. Yeah, yeah they have nice. interesting characters yeah. like like the smi- like the weird smile that that gets, the main character does yeah. has like uh-huh. has like a, has like an understanding mm-hmm. and like not and like knowledge behind it, and you actually know what that what that knowledge is. Yeah, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the animation uh, stu- mm-hmm. like Studio David. Uh, or David Productions. They are the guys who do like JoJo, mm-hmm. Bizarre Adventure, mm-hmm. and a lot of people from uh, that used to work on, on in the Shaft Studios also came over to work on this show. <laughs> and you could really tell because it's a beautifully animated animated show so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fire effects are awesome. Uh, yeah, I really like too how they have like the generation uh, of fire control. So like the mm-hmm. first generation have barely anything or nothing at all. The second generation can do certain things. Mm. And the third generation are like, look, I can spew out flames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the biggest difference in Fire Force is the second, like, I think the first episode people were kind of like, oh, this can be like Soul Eater. The second episode very much set it up as, like, these are the people that are affected by the people who turn, like, who mm-hmm. combust. Like, mm-hmm. they were people. They were parents. They mm-hmm. had families. They had kids. You see the daughter reacting to not only at one time losing her mother to this, now losing her father to this. And, like, 
having to comfort these people, how, um, I can't remember the, his name, but the captain of their team uh, t- pulls the two, uh, two mm-hmm. of the main characters aside to say, you never show your weapon to the family before you go in because these used to be people they loved and they don't need to see what we're going to have to do to you know take care of it. Mm-hmm. And I think putting that emotional impact in the second episode really is going to establish what the show, like deep roots are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, not to like bash on Soul Eater, but it was very <laughs> like, let's have a touchy moment. Fart Joker, some... I, I will give it that. I, I want to say, though, I can't stand Blackstar. He can just not be in that show and it'd be 100% better. I will say that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, and... and, and uh, oh, shoot. What's this dumb sword guy's name? Excalibur. He can also go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back on the Soul Eater tangent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, uh, the couple of shows I've been watching, uh, the first one is Astra Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. Uh, That one's currently streaming on Funimation and Hulu. Um, This one, I actually, I read the manga before going in, and it is a six-volume series, very easy read, Viz. Um, Five? Only five? Wow. I remember it just being like, oh, man, this is going to be a long series. I I was like, oh, it's only five volumes? I'll just say I was in the library. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Des Moines Public Library, by the way. Their manga collection is awesome for what we have here. Uh, But, yeah, I was just browsing, and I'm like, oh, they have the entirety. Yoink. So it's currently sitting on my desk at home tormenting me because I haven't found the time. Yeah, it's it's really good. It, um, I mean, it follows uh, basically a group of, I believe they're high school students. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the future, uh, instead of like, let's go to camp, it's let's go to camp in space. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically, they get dropped off on a planet and... I think it's just McP because the name of the planet or something weird like that. Oh, in the show? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, they don't get to spend much time there because then they get sucked into a a black hole and they get sucked out in the middle of space. Uh, Once they get on the ship, they find out that they're just a ton of light years away from where their home is. And they basically have to come up with uh, kind of a jumping point from planet to planet that they can actually land on to correct supplies to get back home. Mm-hmm. So it's about a lot of survival, but it delves into each of the characters and their psyche really, really well. Mm-hmm. And it pits people that usually would never hang out with each other to hang out with each other. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of like it too, because I really don't, I'm not a huge fan service fan. And I feel like a lot of times they just kind of throw that in there to get people in it. There's not really a lot of fan service. It's more like this is very character driven. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, even like the the first episode was an hour too. Which yeah, was that was cool. Really was awesome. Nice. And they're shooting they the way they're shooting it in like a sixteen nine style like movie theater oh, yeah. like kind of. And I, I just I don't know. I just kind of like that idea. Like it's a big epic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it's going to be a really really good series. Uh, and yeah, the, the five volume series it doesn't let up until the very end. And I think that's what's good is you don't. You don't have a bunch of garbage in there to just kind of let's keep the story going. It's like here's the starting point, here's the end point. We're gonna go straight through it. Like mm-hmm. once they're down on the planet, there's like no episode of like oh no, like the showers aren't working. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, stupid stuff like let's that. Let's go to the beach. Yeah, yeah. there's no garbage like that. It's a very yeah. fluid story. Um, and there's then an ostrich that knows kung fu. <laughs> the other one I've been watching uh, is Vinland Saga. Uh, Probably the best. Okay, I'm very biased. I love this manga, so I, I'm already willing to say this is probably going to be probably one of the top five things I've seen in the last ten years. I mean, it's, it's up there for me, like Devil May Cry Baby and Madoka Magica. It, it's just one heck of a story. If you like history at all, they pull characters out from this time. This time period of like the Danish Vikings and English period. Uh, Leif Erikson is introduced in like the first episode who was like a big explorer and it's like oh wow like they're actually pulling characters and Mm -hmm. then the characters that are in it that I don't want to say are created they're like basically like made up of characters from history so they have kind of some of the same beats of characters so Um, it's like historical fiction yeah pretty Uh, much Um, and the main character the story follows the difference between the manga and the anime is the anime starts off with him as a child 
in the manga, the first book is about him as like a teenager, maybe young adult, um, basically trying to survive after uh, he's basically picked up by a bunch of rogue Vikings. Mm -hmm. um, this one starts off with him as a kid. You get to introduce to his father and the great man that he was. Um, but the big thing, I hate to say this because I hate to relate anything to Game of Thrones, is it has that idea <laughs> of just because a certain person has it in his mind that he is going to be something like Naruto's like, I'm going to be the Hokage. Well, mm -hmm. he's going to be the Hokage. Or like some characters will be like, I'm going to be the strongest. Like, if a character is like, you know, one day I'm going to be the king of all this, he's going to get damn close to being the king, but everything's going to go to shit. Like, <laughs> that, this is what it's all about. Like, the main character is hell-bent on getting revenge on the, the guy who kills his father. I don't really think that's a spoiler because it happens oh, it's like, the right in the beginning. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's yeah. the entire premise. Um, yeah. But yeah, he like spends the whole time getting revenge, and I'm not trying to spoil anything, but eventually like he gets that point of getting a chance to get revenge, and something happens. Um, dun, and, dun, dun. Yes. And this show is just a whole bunch of that. Like, you keep thinking the story is going in one direction and it goes in another. Like, it mm. is very much like reality. Like, you could, like, one day you get up and you're just driving to work and, like, something like catastrophic happens. This is what Vinland Saga is. Mm. Like, whatever you expect is going to happen doesn't. And this thing is animated by Studio Wit, who did Attack on Titan. The show is just beautiful. The CG is not off putting, which is really, really nice. Um, it's very bloody, uh, very epic, and I'm so excited that it's uh, getting an adaptation that it so deserves. So, mm. so yeah. And then the last one I'll just quickly mention. I'm not going to really get into it. Um, it's on High Dive. So those of you who have High Dive, Old Maidens in your Savage Season, mm. very, very, very good show. Um, it does deal with some kind of complicated ideas. It's uh, a group of teenage girls that are kind of trying to explore sexuality um, uh, through literature, stuff like that, but yeah. that kind of delves into them actually exploring it themselves in school. Uh, and then the main, uh, the main character, she eventually walks in on her friend, guy friend, uh, masturbating, and it kind of leads into, like, <laughs> like, this discovery of, like, just because you think you somebody is innocent, like, you mm -hmm. don't know. But I'm not going to delve into it. But it is a very, very good show. Probably one of the best shows this season. I mm -hmm. do recommend. But, like I say, the poor Vinland Saga is on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. And uh, Old Maidens is on High Dive. And yep. Just makes it a lot harder to watch those, too. Because it's like, I don't know, most of us go to Crunchyroll yeah. and Funimation. I just watched one giant channel back. Yeah. <laughs> we were spoiled, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, one of the things we decided to do for the overall talk of the day is, you know, with um, Kyoto Animation kind of happening and stuff like that, we were kind of thinking mm -hmm. of, you know, shows that have really kind of affected us emotionally, you know, uh, just, they have scenes that just kind of beat the hell out of you. Yeah, they hang with you after it's mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's that one thing you always remember about a show, um, I mean, one, I mean, I'm like, None of us are going to talk about Onahana is a really good example mm -hmm. of that ending uh, where they all come together so they can, uh, Menma, I think is her mm -hmm. name, yep. uh, to settle her soul. And they all have to go through a huge journey of like like going back to that time and actually like mm -hmm. coming face to face with what happened that day. I mean, one of the characters was the one that found her. Mm -hmm. um, one of the main characters is kind of having uh, like a sexual identity issues mm -hmm. and dressing up as a female and stuff like that. And it's just, it, it's that last episode with them all just screaming to like send her away forever yeah. was just like super hard to deal with. So yeah. we're going to all touch on a couple shows that kind of affected us. Uh, big giant spoiler warning. Yeah, giant spoiler warning. <laughs> uh, if that wasn't already a thing. We will announce the show we're talking about first so you know that you need to skip ahead so we don't ruin it for you. <laughs> yes. Um, I think for the most part most of these shows are older. Um, I don't think we're... <clears throat> Made in Abyss might be like it's the... Newer. Run with the Wind was one I was going to Oh, that one's, yeah. That's newer. One of mine is newer but it's like literally the first thing that happens in the show. Yeah. So... so yeah. But nonetheless, take it with a grain of salt if you don't want things spoiled for you. Yeah, stick um, your fingers in your ears. La, 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 la. Yeah. Skip ahead five, ten. I don't know how long. Oh, however long we're talking yeah. about this. And then when Just you don't stop, skip to the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Please. Don't skip that far. <laughs> 
All right. When you do scan field, come back and we'll just say that one thing that you didn't need to hear. Because that's <laughs> how it always happens. Anyway. Quinn, we can start off with you. What is one of your shows that affected you very emotionally? Just one of them? Yeah, we'll start. We'll all just go do. Uh, we'll do each do one. Go around one okay. more time. Okay. And then, yeah. Um, so, Made in Abyss was one that I wanted to talk about just because it's, it's so emotionally packed. And there's two separate little sections in just the first 12 episodes where, good grief, Kleenex box. I, you were my best friend. Uh, so, uh, Nanachi and Midi, they're, uh, how they came to be is just so sad, because they were experimented on, Nanachi wasn't what she is now, and her friend is this pile of goo, and she's just wanting to free Midi from whatever horrors she's experiencing as this blob of goo, and it's, it's like, just how can people do this to them? It's horrible. And then when Midi's finally released, you just you just cry with Nanachi. It's mm. just so touching. Mm -hmm. There, it's like you feel that release that she has and how she's willing to just leave with uh, Reg and and now I can't think of her name, the the main girl with Rico. the blonde hair, Rico. Rico. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like how she's just willing. Like that part of her life, her chapter is closed, and she's she's at peace with what's happened. And it's just oh. And the other one that really struck me was uh, when. Rico gets attacked by that big giant, like rhinoceros looking thing with all the spikes. Yeah. And ends up getting stabbed with the poison venom. And then Reg has to decide whether he wants to, you know, actually break and chop her arm off because mm -hmm. she's begging him to and he doesn't want to. And it's just like, oh my gosh, why? <laughs> uh, so those, those two scenes are just. Yeah, that Kleenex box was a, a very good friend that night. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, right. what is yours? All right, so the first one, this one is actually the start of the series. Uh, Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba, it's one of the newer shows, came out last season. But the first episode just starts out brutally, because you have young Tanjiro, whose family makes charcoal, and so every now and then he leaves town to sell charcoal so he and his five siblings and his mom can get by. And he goes out one night, weather gets bad, and one of the people that lives along the road is just like, there are demons about. You should stay here for the night because you've got to stay safe. It's getting brutal out there. And he's like, okay, I really need to get home. I think I can make it, but if you insist, I'll stay here. And then when he returns to his home, he just discovers his entire family is murdered and so there's just bodies of like his brothers and sisters lying all the ground on the ground everywhere his mother is dead and it's just such a shock to see his family just gone like that and then he gets a moment of hope when his little sister Nezuko is showing signs of life and he grabs her tries to move on and then after that you get hit with the second gut punch of the fact that she herself has been infected with demonic blood and is now trying to eat him and he has to deal with the repercussions of that and that just sets up the entire series there gives our hero the struggle he needs to fight through to continue and so while the series continues and it gets to be a lot of fun it starts out in a very dark place and you just feel so bad for the kid because he's just a teenager and to just lose everything that means so much to him like that, just suddenly, it's just such a punch in the gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was a really good one. Uh, Will? Um, I think I'll start with uh, the ending of Assassination Classroom. Uh, specifically, the death of Koro Sensei. Koro Sensei! Yeah, and then, like, it's just, it's really sad. Uh, obviously, I read the manga, so yeah. I... <laughs> it's exactly the same. Oh, okay. The, the, the anime, mm -hmm. they, they... The manga was finishing up as they were finishing the anime, so they were able to do it mm -hmm. exactly like the, the manga. Okay, good. Because, yeah, because yeah, in the manga, it was, it was devastating. So yeah. it was after, you know, the big fight, and, like, the world seemed to be saved, and all that was left to, left to do was for the kids to add to what they were supposed to do since the beginning of the school year, mm -hmm. and that's kill their teacher. But you've been through the 20 or so volumes so long that it's like, well, you don't want him to die. Yeah, but he's want him to die. Yeah, and and he, of course he's more than happy or willing to to die and to be killed by his students and 
all the while they're trying to hold him down and stuff, and he's just complimenting about how good how yes. good students they've all been. And then of course they he gives the the, the knife to Nagisa, the main pretty much the main Nagisa. the main classmate. And he can't do it, so he can't do it. He starts screaming, just trying to use use whatever that negative emotion to get it done. And then Kurosensei's like, "Stop! I need you to smile. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't, you can't <laughs> kill me with that. With, with when you're in that state of mind like that, I need you to be calm and smile. And so that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And then and so and of course he does the deed. And then. In the manga, at least for a little while, nothing happened. Like, it, like he, like, in terms of like he stabbed the guy, dies, but then it's just it's just a dead corpse on the ground for mm-hmm. a while, and these and all the kids can do is just <laughs> cry their eyes out. Yep. Like everybody, everybody cries their eyes out. All the adults that are there, and mm-hmm. everybody's just crying. Like yeah, he touched so many lives, and he like made them so much better mm-hmm. from what they started out with. It's like this this great contribution that this this person could have carried on with is no more. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole series was about how yeah. Kora-sensei was able to take something, something like violence violence and stuff mm-hmm. and turn it into, like, something positive and productive. But here, it's just, like, the violence is... I mean, technically, it's productive, but at what cost <laughs> yeah. did, did, it, did it do? <laughs> I could end it there, but, like, luckily... Luckily, something does happen, and like his body starts like dissolving into like these bright, small balls of light, like fireflies, and mm-hmm. they just end up floating up and off into the into the into the night sky. And specifically in anime, I noticed that like a lot of the light actually went up to the crest moon, mm-hmm. the crest moon, as if to almost try and like build the moon back up from where it was. Yep, yep. So that that's a pretty emotional. But pretty great closing to a, to a good series. Yeah, I think yeah, the biggest thing with that one is if you kind of look back, if you're either an anime watcher or you're a manga reader, if you kind of think back to the middle of the series, uh, and then you think about like getting to the end and being as emotional as you are, you you really didn't feel that that was coming. Oh yeah, like yeah, just watching the show and it's wacky and crazy as it is. It goes like. Like, you're like, oh, when this show ends and he dies, that's not going to affect me at all. Uh, and then you get to the end and you're like, well, what the hell? Like, I'm a great mess. Um, no. Well, it's like the premise is so silly, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's just, yeah. But no, it was, it, and the anime is just a great interpretation mm-hmm. of the manga. Like, it's almost beat for beat. And the manga was very good. Um, so, yeah, that's Assassination Classroom. Uh, mine uh, is an old school one. It is The Death of Maze Hughes. I'm going for the original Full Metal Alchemist anime. Yes. And it's not to say that the manga or Brotherhood, like, weren't great. Like, they were good in their own right. But I just felt like the the way that they did kind of the filler stuff and the way they did way more focus on Maceo's character. Like, we got a lot of scenes with him and his wife and his daughter and all those hilarious scenes where, like, the big wallet pops out with all the pictures of, mm. have you seen the picture of my daughter? <laughs> and stuff like that. And how much he loves his family. Um, we got a lot of, like, quiet moments with him and Roy Mustang where they kind of reflect on the things that they, they've dealt with, the war um, and stuff like that, how close the relationship is. So you really get connected to Hughes. I mean, in the anime and the manga, it feels like it just happens very quickly and, you know, you don't really reflect on it that much. But the original series, when I, think, I believe it was like episode 25 or 26, when he's in that phone booth and he ends up getting shot, um, that episode, like the fallout from it where they're at the funeral and uh, his daughter's wondering when he's going to come home. Oh, and, cemetery, uh, yes. I always remember the... So we have never seen uh, Roy Mustang emotional at all in the mm-hmm. show. Like he's like you know tough, gruff, like he's hard on Ed and Al and stuff like that. Um, he's you know he's even kind of cold to uh, Riza Hawkeye mm-hmm. too. Um, and you see him at the grave, and he's just kind of thinking, reflecting back, and he kind of looks up, and he's like, "Oh, I think it's gonna rain today." And you finally see that tear drop, and mm-hmm. oh. Yeah, the the way, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't like the original series, but to me, I there's a lot of things that that series did better oh, yes. than Brotherhood did. 
Um, and one of that is just how much they fleshed out the character of Mace Hughes and how uh, devastating it was when he gets killed in that show. So, yeah, Full Metal Alchemist, original, old school. Mm-hmm. Yes, close to my heart. So, mm-hmm. Quinn, what's your next one? So, this one isn't emotional feels because it made me very, like, depressed. Um, it's the opposite of that. It made me exceedingly happy, but they were so... Like, everything came together, and it was all happy tears. So that would be Run With The Wind, because the entire team... The whole premise is that this uh, group of guys is going to go run in a big race, and that's where they want to end up, but their struggle to get there is, throughout the episodes, uh, is what's been told, and Haiji is the kind of driving force behind who is part of this group and why he's wanting them to be a part and their accomplishments. They may seem small or maybe not even seem like accomplishments, but they are to them and everyone gets excited about it. Everyone helps each other grow and they do struggle, they do fight. There is that, but like, um, for instance, Prince is his nickname, of course, and he's a manga reader. He doesn't run, like to this day, I don't know why he got recruited outside of he wants free rent in order to be there, he has to run. So he <laughs> runs in order to get free rent. But um, there's a scene where they are at a, at a meet and he has to get a qualifying time to even get into consideration for this race with his team and they were cheering him on and he cannot run, I forgot the distance, within you know under a half hour and he can't do it, he can't do it. But at this meet, he makes it by like 29 minutes and some seconds and they are just going crazy happy for him. And meanwhile, there's another group over there going, is that, is that something to celebrate? What? But they all get excited for him. And then at the very end, they do get to the race. They do get to run in it. And uh, Kakeru is kind of like the second guy who's learning to be a leader in place of Haiji because he's a senior. He's going to be graduating. And unbeknownst to the other guys, he's also got this really wrecked knee. And he ends up in the race wrecking it even farther and so far that he can't run afterwards but to him because they completed the race together it was the best thing he's ever done and like he passes the torch to Kakeru and the two of them bond and it's just like so happy tears at the end because they made it through the race they got this accomplishment they have all these successes behind them and they've done it as a team and they've supported each other and it's just it's 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 a wonderful story that tells how people can come together and support each other and do things that they wouldn't be able to otherwise. And it, it was, that ending is awesome. I love that show. I'm actually have to watch that now, but mm-hmm. you, I think you've just won me over because those are the kind of shows I like. Oh, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Fan service can go to hell. It has no fan service. It's, <laughs> I know. it's got guys in shorts that run. That's yeah, about it. No, and half I, of them I, are Haley. I'm looking for the emotional <laughs> stuff, so yeah, uh, that's yeah. kind of right up my alley. It's, it's beautiful. Cool. Chris, what do you got? Okay, one that gets me, you were mentioning throwback. I'm going to throw it even further back because I'm old. Um, I'm going <laughs> all the way back to the 80s to Robotech. Yes, I, I, I have not watched Macross on its own, so we're just talking the Robotech version here. But one that still gets me is the death of Roy Foker, who is one of the main pilots in the series. He shows up in the first episode. He helps his buddy Rick Hunter... Uh, like get acclimated to all the weird stuff going on on the island when they get into deep space he's just like you know you need to man up we're lost you're a great pilot we need you on the squad and so he ends up recruiting Rick and Rick becomes a very good fighter pilot and then Roy is running a sortie against the Zentradi and randomly his ship gets shot and he's just like you see him wince a bit but nothing seems to be wrong except maybe he got dinged a little bit and so he completes a mission gets back to base, lives on his daily life, and then goes back to his girlfriend's place and just randomly passes away in the chair without warning. He just struggles throughout the episode. You sort of see him, like, ache when he's walking, but it's no sign. Oh, he might be just going off the board soon. And then he just passes away, like, guitar in hand, as I recall, just, like, enjoying life with the person he loved, but not even saying anything. Like, I don't know if it was just weird, like, tough, I'm a tough guy, I can get through this stupidity, or just maybe he didn't realize the gravity of his wounds, but he just ends up passing away and leaving a huge gap 
in the structure, and it shakes Rick up for days to the point where he struggles to get back in the cockpit until finally he has to step up and take Roy's spot and lead the squadron to defend the humans on the ship. So it's it's a tough go through that spot. And it's as, as a kid seeing that, it's just like, that was one of those things where in the 80s, you weren't used to seeing people die on your kids' shows. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were doing these mature shows for children without making it overly violent, just, it was a tough hit as a little kid to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Will? Yeah, I'm not going to throw it that far back, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna pull out a classic here, kind of a cheat, but uh, Grave of the Fireflies, mm-hmm. I think, is, is an obvious choice. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's just... You get to watch two kids starve to death for ninety minutes, but it's already it's already emotionally it's already emotionally taxing and a bit slow paced, so it feels like three hours. Oh. I think the the big thing about Grave of the Fireflies that I always remember is when that movie came out, um, Roger Ebert came out with like a, just an absolute glowing review of it and how powerful it was and. That was kind of his moment where he was just like, I fully understand what animation can do now. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, the, these kind of emotional feelings I only felt could be created through something live action and mm-hmm. seeing this creation um, uh, through animation, he's just like, it blows my mind that something like this could be made. Mm-hmm. So, that was always one of his favorite films of all time. Sorry to derail you, Will. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. My, my, my description came off a lot a lot more harsh than I, and than I anticipated. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I, no, I knew it. it to me, oh, Grave of the Fireflies falls into this class of shows that are, are very emotional, very, you know, they're just, they're hell for the full runtime. Like, you know, there's not very many bright points. In it, like Schindler's List is a good example too. If you're thinking of something live yeah. action, and like a lot of these shows, like I, you watch them once and you, they're beautiful. They're a great show. They'll stick with you, mm-hmm. but you really have no need to go through that tragedy. And you don't want to yeah. like, yeah. drama again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've I've watched it uh, a couple times. I I always liked Takahata. Uh, work a little bit more than Miyazaki. I don't know if you want to call that blasphemy yeah. or whatnot, <laughs> right. but no, I've always Miyazaki's felt great. like he his emotional stuff always resonated more with me than Miyazaki's like um, you know fancy worlds mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, talk about uh, where he seemed to be a bit more grounded. Yeah, yeah like his stuff. Like even uh, the not to completely go off the rails but my neighbor uh, my neighbor the Yamadas mm-hmm. it's a really good one like his his animation style was just a lot different but like yeah Grave of the Fireflies like sometimes you, you forget it's a Studio Ghibli like mm-hmm. film and because of you know how kind of dark I don't even think I knew it was a Studio Ghibli film See, it is Studio Ghibli <laughs> so this that. was so this was the one right after Lapida mm. so yeah Studio Ghibli yes very depressing, but um, there was only two films uh, that Disney um, never picked up to distribute when they first, when they first got a hold of it. <laughs> Grave of the Fireflies and Up on Poppy Hill. Oh, With, yeah, if yeah. I remember correctly, Up on Poppy Hill had that relationship between they end up finding their brother and sister. I think at the end, uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. and I think yeah. that was a little questionable mm. for them because there is kind of a I don't want to say a romance, but there's something going on between mm-hmm. those two and then they find out that they're related at the end. I think Disney was just kind of like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> stay away from that. But yeah, no, Grave of the Fireflies, like, it, it's it's hard to explain, uh, you know, it, like I said, it's it's hell for 90 minutes. Yeah. Like, but from it's start to ending. But it's absolutely my favorite Studio Ghibli film mm. yeah. of all time. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I hated it. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. And I mean, yeah. like, I, the part of I think of, like a lot of people always think of the the little brother dying. Mine is where the brother just dies, and I think it is a railroad station mm-hmm. or a yep. train station, and he just kind of falls over and dies, and somebody just sweeps around him. Oh, like, yeah, he's no, just, just like he's dead, you know. Uh-huh. Death just, has just be, seemed to become such common, so common. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that country was dealing with so much at that time that like. Yeah. 
they couldn't focus on some orphan child that died in a station like did he even get buried like what did they do with him mm. like you don't know because the movie ends and it's just like yeah that's the brutality of war right there yeah yep. mm-hmm. so and what one of the scenes that really got me was when Setsuka the little little sister was uh piling up like all the, the dead cicadas or the dead fireflies mm-hmm. and how they did a and how they how the editing related that back to the piling of like the actual dead mm-hmm. bodies themselves yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that just really got to me about how uh, how she was able to become so desensitized mm-hmm. by what was going on and she yeah. was willing to recreate it with that way yeah um, okay I'll I'll go last with my uh, I went with a Kyoto animation pick um, and I went with uh, Violet Evergarden. In particular, it's episode 10. So, Violet Evergarden, uh, not only is it a beautiful show, well, Quinn's doing the I don't want to be spoiled, (laughs) but, like, the thing about this show is, like, Violet Evergarden, like, and I mean this in the best way possible, she may be the most least interesting character in the entire show. She is used as, like, the catalyst for everybody else's story. Like, Mm -hmm. she goes around typing letters and telling other people's stories mm-hmm. and like she's just kind of there to help make these stories like come alive um episode 10 was the one that like got me and i remember because i was watching the series i didn't watch it all the way with my wife my wife would come in and out of certain episodes and one of the cool things about the show is you can kind of come in in certain episodes and just kind of watch it um episode 10 violet goes to this uh woman's house um, you can tell something's wrong. She's sick of some sort. She has a little daughter, and they have a maid. And she starts taking letters for the woman who's sick. And you don't know what the letters are about. They just keep going through the episode. Like, uh, like oh, she's got to write this. She's got to write this. And the little girl's like, Mom, you, we used to play together all the time. Why don't we go outside and play? And the mom's like, i got to do this. And, you know, she's a typical five- to seven-year-old, has a temper tantrum, like, <laughs> like why are you doing this? Like, like why won't you spend time with me? Why do you make, keep me hanging with the maid? And then, like, she has some really good scenes with Violet herself, who Violet's character is also trying to come to terms with what it is to have emotions, what it is to love. And um, she kind of reflects that through the little girl as well. So we get to the end of the episode, and all everything got written. Um, she leaves, um, and then the little girl gets to spend time with her mom. But her mom is very, very sick, and her mom eventually passes away. And it's kind of sad. And then, like, it goes to like maybe a year later, and she's turning eight years old or nine years old. I can't remember what it is. She gets a letter in the mail. And it's a letter from her mother. And it just says how much she wishes she could be there that day and how, like, she knows she's going to, like, grow into, like, a wonderful woman and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty emotional. Like, it kind of got me. But then you find out why she spent so much time with Violet is because she wrote her a different letter for every year of her birthday all the way up to her 18th birthday Mm -hmm. and the episode ends like with her getting that final note at like 18 years old and like her mom's like like oh you know the boys are probably all over you you're probably starting to fall in love and stuff like that i wish i could be there for it and it just kind of hits you like a big bag of bricks like there has been a lot of episodes that were like that but that one, then for me, was just like kind of affected me like a lot. Just like the fact that like she, this woman's sick. She knows she only has so much time with her daughter, but she also thinks, hey, if I write these letters, I can still be with her all these years. And mm-hmm. it was just a really, really good episode. Like I said, the animation in that show is just outstanding, and it's the stories of the individuals um, to me that makes that uh, show so amazing. Like Violet. She's a very interesting character, but her character herself is there to, you know, make up the stories that are being told throughout it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So my last one is Violet Evergarden. So. Yay! Happy it, Tears. Yeah, it is Happy Tears. <laughs> it is a really good show. Um, and uh, yeah, it's and I, I think it kind of sums up the whole like Kyoto animation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the thirty-four people that passed away. These were all individuals. Each one had their own story. They had. These were people. You know, people are like, oh, I'm so sad that we'll never see these animators again. But these were people that they ended up passing away and, you know, their families are never going to see them again. They didn't get to go home to their husbands and wives and their kids, you know. 
that's like that's the biggest tragedy of all these mm-hmm. individual stories that ended on that day so mm-hmm. i felt that violet evergarden kind of goes into that idea you know the individual story and like within a 20 25 minute story you can be broken down to tears even though you were just introduced to these characters like just a little bit ago mm-hmm. so so yeah, uh, that sums up our sad, sad shows that yes. we love. Um, I do recommend. I mean, all these shows are great. Um, and every once in a while, you know, you got to get away from all the shonen action and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, yeah. get into some kind of more emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are some good choices. So, but yeah, I think that's all we've got for the week. I promise we won't be as delayed. Coming in the future, because we'll be yeah. out of the birthday sale, so we'll be back to our regular bi-weekly podcast. Um, no, not as sad either. Hopefully. No, we yeah. will make sure next episode yeah. is more happy. We will be hopefully celebrating uh, big numbers for our donations to yes. Kyo Annie. Mm-hmm. It is going till August 31st. So that's it for us this week. We will see you again here in two weeks. Have a good one, guys. Bye. 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 We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions or comments to rspodcast at rightstuff.com and we might just answer them in a future episode. That's rspodcast at rightstuff.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Right Stuff Anime.